the important thing is to be going forward with the call that the Lord has given you, pursuing that call, pursuing the faith that the Lord has placed in your heart. And as you pursue, as you follow Jesus Christ, he'll begin to unveil, to reveal further information, further knowledge of the plan that he has for your life. It could be that God right now has you enrolled in your own type of Midian Desert Institute. It could be that he's working his plan out in your life to save people alive. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So tonight, Lord, we ask you to guide us through your Word. Teach us by your Spirit. We pray, Lord, for this nation. We pray for our families, for this country of ours for those who are sick and suffering. And we pray, Lord, for the salvation of souls. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. All right, it's uh, graduation day in Exodus chapter 3 for Moses. He's going to have his burning bush moment with the Lord. And we're going to find that he is a very reluctant servant of God there in the beginning. So we pick up in verse 15 through 17. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. So we closed out last week in Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. And Moses recounting this was told us there, Exodus 2, 23 through 25. He said, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, 
And the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. And God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel. God acknowledged Israel. So the children of Israel had been crying out for their deliverance. And according to Stephen, they rejected their deliverer the first time. Now Moses is going to come back a second time. God had Moses to remind the children of Israel, just as God reminded Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and I'm going to send you to Egypt. Now Moses is to remind the children of Israel that God has sent me, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, saying, surely I have visited you. I've seen what is done to you. I will bring you up out of the affliction of, of Egypt to the land flowing with milk and honey. And through Moses, God not only reminded Israel of their heritage, but also of his promises. It is why the word of God is so important to the church today, that we would rehearse the promises of God, that we would have a knowledge of our history here in the United States. There is an attempt right now to erase history. All around us, they're attempting to erase history that they can create a new people. But here we find that the children of Israel have been in bondage for 400, over 430 years before they're delivered. As we will see, as we go through the book of Exodus, they've been in bondage for well over 400 years and what does God do? Immediately he reminds them to whom they belong. I am the God of your father. Your father's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And God also let Moses know here that it was not going to be an easy work that he was sending him to. In verses 18 through 20, we continue reading then they will heed your voice and you shall come and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews have met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. So God let Moses know it's not going to be easy. Moses may have felt that God was calling him to go it alone, but he had already promised, I will be with you. I will certainly be with you. But to reinforce this calling... He would wind initially, we know, as we continue in this study, we'll learn that Moses and Aaron will initially win the hearts of Israel. When things start going poorly for them, he would lose a little bit of that. But he would never have the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart was already hardened toward the children of Israel, and he would only harden it further. In fact, God said, there'll be a point to where I will harden his heart. And yet, even though 
God said in verses 21 and 22, the end of our chapter, And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you will not leave empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, and so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Now God had promised Abraham again in Genesis 15, 13, and 14, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. For 40 years, Moses had learned the wisdom of Egypt, but it would take more than the world's wisdom for Moses to be the deliverer that Israel needed. Therefore, God enrolled Moses in the Midian Desert Institute for another 40 years. He learned the ways of a shepherd. And in each stage of Moses' life, there is a progression of faith, which was first exemplified by his family when they discovered that God had blessed them with a beautiful child. They hid him away. They saved his life by placing him in the Nile. And finally, we discover that Moses would become not only a miracle worker, but a deliverer, a lawgiver, a prophet. Moses, one of the greatest leaders of the people of Israel. And yet he would have never become that great leader if he had not surrendered to the will of God. And that is something that we all need to do. Come to that place of surrendering. It may not be, I'm pretty convinced that I'll be no great leader within the church of Jesus Christ, but I am one of the leaders within the church of Jesus Christ. I'm serving the place where the Lord has placed me, serving in the place where the Lord has put me. And as I said earlier, from the time the Lord called me from Romans 10, 14, how shall they hear without a preacher until I was ordained at this church? 11 years of my life would go by. And yet... The important thing is to be going forward with the call that the Lord has given you, pursuing that call, pursuing the faith that the Lord has placed in your heart. And as you pursue, as you follow Jesus Christ, he'll begin to unveil, to reveal further information, further knowledge of the plan that he has for your life. It could be that God right now has you enrolled in your own type of Midian Desert Institute. It could be that he's working his plan out in your life to save people alive. That sounds all well and good. And if we would close off here tonight, we think, man, Moses, you have it made. But Moses is still not convinced. He is a reluctant messenger, as we'll learn in chapter 4. To become a good leader, it can be frightening to contemplate uh, 
especially when you might feel ill-equipped for the role. When speaking about being a godly leader, history testifies that God equips those whom he calls, and moreover, the Lord will bring others alongside to help fulfill the call of God in their lives. And feeling ill-equipped is where Moses finds himself right now here in chapter 4. In verse 1 we read, Then Moses answered the Lord and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And though Moses would grow to be one of Israel's greatest leaders, initially he responds to God by making excuses. First, Moses assumes wrongfully that they won't listen, that Israel will refuse, saying that they won't listen to me, they won't believe me. They will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And this may be understanding, considering that they had already rejected him once. Remember Acts 7.35, Stephen talking about this. He says, this Moses, whom they rejected, saying, who made you ruler and judge? is the one that God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel that appeared to him in the bush. So Moses had already been rejected once. And 40 years is a long time to think about being rejected. 40 years of wondering, what if? I know nobody could ever think about those what if thoughts, right? You've never had any of that go on in your life. Well, hopefully not for 40 years, but Moses, it was. 40 years earlier, Moses had attempted to deliver Israel by his own strength and not God's. And like the Lord would speak to Zerubbabel in Zechariah 4, 6, saying, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And to counter his concern, God gave Moses three signs to demonstrate to Moses God's own call upon his life, but also three signs that Moses could use before the children of Israel and before Pharaoh. Well, the first sign is found in verses 2 through 5. It gave Moses the ability to take his staff, turn it into a serpent, and then back into his staff again. We read, So the Lord said to him, Exodus 4, 2, What is in your hand? And he said, a rod. And God said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. And then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it up. And it became a rod in his hand. I might not know much about snake handling. And, and I would do horrible in the hill countries of Kentucky where they actually try to do these things. But I do know that you don't try to pick up a snake by grabbing it by the tail. All it's going to do is turn around and bite you. So it took faith for Moses to even reach out in obedience to the Lord. And we'll talk more about this sign when Moses and Aaron use it before the Pharaoh in chapter 7. But this sign teaches us that sometimes we must be willing to do the impractical. Lord, Moses could have said to God, 
I know that's not the way you catch a snake. You don't grab a snake by the tail. But sometimes we have to do the impractical. We have to be obedient to the Lord's word to us, even though it's beyond reason from our perspective, in order that God's power will work in our behalf. Second sign, verses 6 through 8. God gave Moses the ability to cause his hand to become leprous and then whole again. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Exodus 4, 6, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, it became, Behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. I bet Moses put it back in quick. So he put his hand in his bosom again, and he drew it out. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. So this is leprosy, Hansen's disease, as it's known today. And even to this day, there is no known cure that can control leprosy by medications today. And in the Bible, and Moses would actually, God would use Moses to write these laws concerning leprosy. But when we combine what we'll study later on in Scripture, especially in Leviticus about this, when someone had leprosy, they were isolated. This is going to sound too familiar to us right now. When someone had leprosy, they were isolated from social contact by dwelling outside of the camp or the city walls. They were to wear mourning clothes. <laughs> you know what I wanted to say. They were to wear mourning clothes, tear their clothes, have their hair in disarray. If a man, his beard was to be kept covered, there's your mask. You had to cover his beard at all times. Leopards were also to cry, unclean, unclean, when near other people. That way people would know to avoid them for fear of defiling themselves or catching the disease. I told you this sounds way too familiar right now. To summarize, People who had leprosy were unclean. They live outside the city walls. They were known as the untouchables. But know this, Jesus was and is willing to touch the untouchables. In Matthew 8, verses 2 and 3, a leper came out to worship Jesus, saying to the Lord, Matthew 8, verse 2, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now we know Jesus had the power just to say so, be clean. And this man would have been cleansed of his leprosy. But the word specifically tells us in Matthew 8, 3, that Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I love that. Saying, I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately the, his leprosy was cleansed. To this day, Jesus is willing to touch the untouchable. The untouchables, I should say. Sometimes we need to be willing to call out to Jesus that we might be made whole. And so the third sign, verse 9, very short, one verse. But God gave Moses the ability to turn water into blood, and it shall be if they do not believe. Even these two signs, or listen to your voice, 
So the word of your testimony, the two signs that I've given you, uh, the rod turning into a snake back into a rod again, the leprosy, you, you know, watch this, guys. That was the, right? Stick it in the bosom, bring it out again. That's interesting. Um, we never read of Moses ever repeating the leprosy trick. I'm not saying it's a trick, but you know what I mean? Is that God gave him this ability, told him to do this, and we never read of him ever doing it again. I kind of wonder if that one was personal. What if I put, pull my hand out and it's leprous and I put it back in and it doesn't work? I don't know if I want to do this one, Lord. Yet the turning of water into blood, we're going to read about this in Exodus 7 again. We'll talk more about it then. Would be the first of the ten plagues that God would bring upon the children of Israel. And perhaps this was the first because the Nile River represented life to Egypt. And yet like the woman at the well, the Egyptians neglected the true source of life. Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4, 13 and 14, whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I shall give them will never thirst, but the water that I shall give them will become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Oh, how we need to drink that water that comes from Jesus Christ, and the water of everlasting life. Yeah, Moses isn't done yet. The reluctant leader has more excuses for the Lord. Again, I'm sure that you guys could never relate to any of this. The Lord has spoken to your heart. You've always obeyed immediately without questioning. Yes, sir, Lord, what would you have me do? But not Moses and not me as well. Verses 10 through 12, then Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I'm not eloquent neither before nor since, back when I was Egypt or the last 40 years here in the wilderness. It probably had only gotten worse, right? Have you ever known anybody like move to a southern state? I had a friend uh, that I grew up with that I think it was 15 years old. He moved to Mississippi. And I said, before you know it, you're going to be sounding like someone from Mississippi, and sure enough, a year later, came back to visit, and he sounded like he belonged in Mississippi and no longer in northern Illinois. I said, you sound like you're from Mississippi. I do not. Yeah, you do. You just proved it right there. So he said, neither before nor since you have spoken your word to your servant, but I am slow of speech. I am slow of tongue. This really seems to go against Stephen's description in Acts 7.22. Moses was learning all the wisdom of Egypt and was mighty in words and deed. You know, years ago I thought about that because it always seemed to like counter opposite of what Moses tells the Lord here in chapter 4, verse 10. If he was mighty in words and deed, why would he say that he's not eloquent, that he slowed his speech. Well, when you have authority behind you, it really doesn't matter how well you speak. If you have authority, then you're mighty in word and deed. 
You may not be eloquent, but you have authority and people have to listen. But although physical ability can be useful to the Lord, it can never replace the spiritual when doing the work of God. It doesn't matter. I mean, truly, to this day, Exodus 4.10 could describe me as well. And although we can train ourselves and improve ourselves, Physical ability, it is useful, but it can never replace the Spirit's work in our lives. Lord Jesus, you still have a plan for your church. And we here, Lord, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are part of that church. So, Father, I pray that we would be surrendered to your call upon our lives. Perhaps, Lord, we are somewhere in the process. You've placed a call upon our heart, but we haven't quite arrived yet. I pray, Lord, that we have forward momentum, that we're walking in faith in such a way that we can see the power of God working in our lives. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.